0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Welcome
1: to the platform. Would you do that? God bless you. Praise the Lord everybody. It's so good to be in the house, Lord. You may be seated. I do want to say off the bat, thank you to Pastor Boyd for this opportunity. It's never a light thing. When a shepherd lets another man of God in his pulpit. And so I want to thank Pastor Boyd for this opportunity. I also want to say thank you uh, to this church. Because not only is it good to be back in Hatchpin, it's good to be back uh, in the good old U.S. of A. Uh, For those of you who don't know, my wife and I just got back end of January. We were overseas uh, for this trip, about eight months. In a tiny country in the South Pacific called Vanuatu. and if you never heard of it, it's all right. Most people haven't. And uh, we spent uh, several months over there. We were teaching in the Bible school. We were doing Bible studies. Actually, one of the big things we ended up doing that we didn't expect to do was there was a situation. We ended up being the youth pastors in one of the church there uh, for the time that we were there, and we just had a fantastic experience. God really moved, and God is doing great things in that country. And I want to say thank you to this church because your giving is in part what helped make that trip happen. And uh, thank you for your giving. And I know I'm not up here to take an offering, because I, I don't know if I'm going back. But just for the next missionary who comes, I just want to let you know, give them a good offering. All right, I ain't getting nothing out of that, but next missionary who comes through, give them a good offering. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Um. My wife and I, we're so honored to be here. We're so honored to minister. I want to speak to you a little bit uh, today from Psalms chapter 146. If you would mind, we'll stand for the reading of God's Word. I know I have you going up and down here, but I'll be standing a lot longer than you, so just bear with me. Psalms 146, and let's start with verse 1. I have it here in the New King James, Psalms 146. Verse 1 says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. But happy is he, It's the verse I want to focus on, happy is he who has the God of Jacob. Someone say God of Jacob. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. I want to speak to you a little bit this morning from this tile, The God of Jacob. The God of Jacob. You may be seated. Many of us here know the story of Jacob. We hear often about Abraham, Isaac, Isaac. And Jacob. A lot of us know the stories of Jacob and Esau, twin boys who didn't look too much alike, who didn't act too much alike. Now, Jacob and Esau, there's a very interesting story surrounding their birth. When Esau was born, he was the first one to be born. And when he came out, they said, We're going to name him Esau. I want you to understand, names had more of an importance back then than they do today. Okay, What does Esau mean? Does anyone know? There's a couple different translations. Sometimes it means red, sometimes it means rough, sometimes it means hairy. So I feel bad for the poor mama, this is a red, rough and hairy baby. Came on out, red, rough, and hairy baby. Can you imagine this is my son? Red, rough, and hairy. No, that's just the one name. This is my son, Harry. And I'm not talking H-A-R-R-Y. It's Harry. That's my son. But after Esau was born, a hand was holding on to Esau's ankle when he was born. And they said, We're gonna name this one. Jacob. Now, let me ask, is there anyone in here with the name Jacob? Anyone here named Jacob? All right, anyone know someone named Jacob? You tell them about this sermon later, okay? Because Jacob means literally, if you want to be literal, it means heel grabber. But really what it means is cheater, liar, trickster. They said, we're going to name this one cheater. Can you imagine mama introducing her boys to her friends? This is my son, Red Ruff and Harry, and his brother, the cheater. That's kind of a rough introduction for your boys, but that was his name. And Jacob, for the rest of his life, he lived up to the meaning of his name. When we think of Jacob and Esau, many times the first thing we think about is how Jacob tricked Esau into giving him his birthright. Esau was the firstborn. He was supposed to get the birthright. But Jacob tricked him into giving him his birthright. He cheated him out of it. He tricked him. And then later, Esau was still supposed to get a blessing from his father. And Jacob cheated him out of that too. Put on some stuff that smelled like his brother. Some goat skin so he'd feel rough and hairy like his brother. And he tricked his father into blessing him instead of his brother. Even later in his life, Jacob goes and he gets married. And he cheats his own father-in-law and steals most of his good flocks. He puts them over his flocks and Jacob starts selectively breeding them. Now anyone who knows a little bit about farming and raising animals knows exactly what Jacob was doing. He said, I'm going to get these good ones to breed over here in my pasture. And these sick little ones that don't look too well and aren't that good for nothing. Well, I'm just going to give those to my father-in-law. And he cheated his father-in-law out of his flocks. Jacob's name, cheater, liar, followed him around. Now, as I said, names in the Bible meant something different than they do today. A lot of times, people are just named because it sounded cool, right? I asked somebody what their name meant one time, and they said, I'm not sure. And I said, well, why would your parents name you that? Well, they thought it sounded cool. I was like, all right, well, that's all well and good. A lot of people get their names from different ways. I saw this joke online, and I hope it's not true. I saw this joke online. A little boy goes to his dad and says, Daddy, why is my sister's name Rose? She said, well, Daddy looks at his son and says, Well, well, when you kids were born, me and your mom, we both took turns naming you. And see, we really wanted to name you after something we love, after something that meant a lot to us. That's what we wanted to name you kids after. And your mother, she really loves roses. So we named your sister Rose. He says, oh, thanks, Dad. That makes a lot of sense. He said, you're welcome, Dodge Challenger. Go along, play with your brother F-150 outside. I know, groans, right? A lot of people get their names in different ways. I was named after both of my grandfathers. Right, I had one grandfather named Johnny, one grandfather named Harold. So I'm Johnny Harold Payton. But when my father was born, my father, he tell, he's an evangelist too. and He tells stories about me, so I tell stories about him. When he was born, his parents were really sure that they were about to have a girl. And then my dad came along, surprised them. So here they are holding this baby, and they have no idea what to name this kid. My grandparents, they were right on the verge of coming into church. They were kind of on that middle ground between being in the world and being in church. And so they're sitting there in the hospital trying to think up a name for my father. And on the TV, there's Jackie Gleason on the TV. And he's doing a character called Joe the Bartender. And my granddaddy looks at my grandma and says, Why don't we name him Joe after Joe the Bartender? My grandma looked back at him and says, don't you dare, because I'll name him after my favorite character on TV, Roy Rogers. And they laughed and laughed, but my daddy's name is Joey Roger Payton. <laughs> we all get our names in different ways. Now, my brother is Joey Roger Payton II. Now it has some significance, Right? The meaning of the name changed now. Originally, it had a certain connotation and that we all laugh about. But when we talk about my brother, it means something very, very different. The meaning of the name changed. And so Jacob's name had a certain meaning. And his name followed him around his entire life. And my question today is, have you ever had a name Follow you around. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try some on for size, shall we? A name like stupid, a name like ugly, a name like failure. How about this alcoholic, druggy, adulterer, addict. The names that follow us around. The names that get inside our head. The names that might have followed us even from our childhood. I guarantee you when I said some of those names, some of you went back in your mind to where mama used to call me that when I was young. I had a teacher in kindergarten who said that to me and that just really stuck with me. I remember my ex-wife used to call me that and oh, I just can't get away from it now. I remember when this person called me that or that person called me that. And that name follows us around. This was part of Jacob's problem. We can laugh here about being introduced as the cheater. But imagine if that was your label every time you introduced yourself. Hello, I'm the cheater. I'm the liar. I'm the trickster. Yeah. It's good to meet you. Yeah. It's a name that marks us and brands us and it's very hard for us to get away from. Now, this is not the main area where I'm going in this sermon. Stay with me and we'll get there. But if you keep reading Jacob's story, his name does get changed. Yes, it right. One day, Genesis 32 Jacob is running from his father-in-law Laban after he tricked and cheated him with his goats and his flocks. And now he's on his way to meet Esau. See, the last time Jacob met Esau, Esau was trying to kill him. And so now here's Jacob, the liar, the cheater, stuck between two of his major struggles. Right, right. He has been running from this issue his entire life. He's been marked and branded with this name for his entire life. And in Genesis 32, it says, Jacob arose that night, took his two wives, his two female servants, his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. But then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, the angel angel touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, the angel said, for the day is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. You have to understand the desperation in his voice. I have never had a hip popped out of joint. Popped a knee out of joint a couple times. That wasn't too painless. I really felt that. But I can't imagine the agony that is in your body as you're wrestling and your hip is wrenched out of joint and you keep wrestling. And the angel looks at this man and says, What are you doing? Let me go. I've got other things to deal with. But the desperation in Jacob's voice can only be understood if you realize what he has been running from his entire life. As he's laying there, holding on to his leg, and he says, The pain in my hip is still not as great as this label that's been following me for my entire life. I don't care how much it hurts. You can pop the other hip out of joint, but I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. I feel like Jacob was saying, you don't understand my pain. You don't understand my struggle. I've made a mess out of everything that I've touched. And now I need a change. And God in His infinite wisdom knew exactly what was happening in Jacob's situation because He looked him in the eye. And his response to, I won't let you go until you bless me. His response was, what is your
0: name?" name?
1: You have to understand the meaning of the name. When he said, my name is Jacob. He wasn't just saying Jacob like any other name. He was saying, no, I'm the liar. I'm the cheater. I'm the problem maker. I'm the one that people can't trust because they don't know if I'm going to stab them in the back. I've been struggling with this whole, my whole life. What is your name? My name is Jacob. And he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now understand this, Jacob, as I said, means cheater, deceiver, liar, trickster. But Israel, a couple different variations of the translation, but it means God prevails. Or one who is triumphant through God. See, he took his old label and he put a new label on to him. And I want to tell you, that tells us something very intimate about the God that we serve. Because God is likely to call you by the name that's been following you your whole life. Because right. that's probably what you're going to recognize first and foremost. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't believe me? Jesus traveled to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he found a Syrophoenician woman. Yeah. A Canaanite. A Gentile woman. We don't know where her husband was. We don't know who thought what of her. But Jesus traveled outside of the realm of his ministry to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And when the woman came and fell at his feet and said, will you touch my daughter? Jesus called her a dog. He said, it's not fit that I should take food from the children's table. And give it to the dogs. (laughs) You know how I know God was testing her? Because if you read the passage. Jesus basically showed up in Tyre and Sidon. Did this miracle. And then left. He went out of his way. Because he sensed some great faith. So he went to her. And he said. You're nothing but a dog. Why should I heal your daughter? And the Bible says she fell down and worshipped him. Absolutely. I feel like when he said, you're a dog, in her response, I almost feel like she's saying, yeah, what else you got? I've been hearing that for my entire life. I'm a single mom over here in a Gentile Canaanite land. They don't like me over there in Jerusalem and in Israel. But I know what you can do. So I will worship you anyhow. And Jesus said, I have never seen this great of faith. I've never seen this great of faith. He called her by that name. But by the end of the story, he was calling her a woman of great faith. You don't believe me. This is the type of God to take Simon, a crude, naked fisherman, and turn him into Peter, an apostle who preaches on the day of Pentecost. I know you're just out in the middle of nowhere. You're out in the middle of the water. A lot of people think Peter couldn't even read and write. But Jesus looked at him and said, I don't care about those labels in the world because I've got a job for you. This is the type of God to take Saul the murderer and turn him into Paul the apostle. This is the type of God that we serve. We serve a name-changing God. So God changes his name to Israel. And for the rest of the Bible, we hear over and over about the God of Israel. That exact phrase, God of Israel, is used well over 200 times in the entire Bible. And when we hear this phrase, God of Israel, we hear God of victory, God of triumph, God of success. And that's what we should hear when we hear God of Israel. But every now and then... The writer of scripture does not talk about the God of Israel. Every now and then, on special occasions, they talk about the God of Jacob. That exact phrase is only used about 23 times. The God of Jacob. But whenever you hear the God of Jacob, it's always in the context of the God of Of your struggle. The God. Of your situation. The God. Of your problem. Whether you caused it. Or whether you didn't cause it. This is the God. Of Jacob. The God of the liars. The God of the cheaters. The God of people with issues. And hang ups. And mess ups. And problems. And struggles. This is the God. Of Jacob. I feel like somebody today. Is due for an encounter with the God of Jacob. And Psalms twenty it says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. That sounds like a Jacob moment. Yeah. And may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you in Zion. In Psalm 40, 47, it starts off with God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble. But later on, it says twice that the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. In Psalms 81, it's a psalm of Repentance. And the psalmist writes to sinful Israel and says, Sing aloud to God our strength and make a joyful noise to the God of Jacob. In Psalm 84, it says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer and give ear, O God of Jacob. Do you understand what I'm saying yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The God of the struggle, the God of the difficulty, the God of the problems. Watch this. I think Isaiah 43 gives us some light on what we're talking about here. In Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, it says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, yes. O Jacob, yes. and who formed you, O Israel. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Maybe I'll say that again. Come he on, created man. you, right. O Jacob, yes. but he formed you. Yes. And Into Israel. Let me tell you something. You can't help the fact that you were born into a sinful, mortal frame. But if you will respond to the God of Jacob. This is the God who can form you into Israel. He can take the struggle and take the situation and redeem you. I know you're struggling, Jacob. But let me form you into Israel. In Isaiah 43, in Isaiah 43, it keeps going on. It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and now you are mine. Oh, when you hear him whisper in that name, that name that's been following you around, just know that the God of Jacob is still there you this is the promise that comes with it in Isaiah 43 when you pass through the waters that sounds like a Jacob moment I will be with you when you pass through the rivers they shall not overflow you when you walk through the fire you shall not be burned the next time you're needing the God of Jacob see here's the difficulty is that we love to hear about the God of Israel. But a lot of times I don't relate to the God of Israel. Oh, maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> a lot of times I hear about the God of Israel. The God of victory. The God of success. And I look around to my situation. And I say, that don't look too much to me like victory. Victory. Because i still got this problem that's been following me for all these years. I've still got this situation in my family that I've been praying about. But my family, we don't know what we're going to do about this one. I've still got this hang up, Pastor Boyd, that I've been praying about all these years. And I'm trying to get away from it. But it's still taunting me. It's still coming after me. I look for the God of Israel. But sometimes what I really need is the God of Jacob. Oh, the God of Israel will turn your situation around, but for the moments that you're in the struggle. And if you're not in one now, trust me you're going to be. Whether or not you cause it or it just happens to you, you're going to need the God of Jacob. It's in those moments that I don't need a God of success and, and favor. Because I look around and I, I see that, that's not what my life looks like right now. I need a God of Jacob. I need a God who causes change to happen. I need a God who will address my problem and won't leave me where he found me. I need a God who can change the liar and who can change the deceiver and who can change the sinner. I need a God who can turn the problem around. I need a God who can fix the situation. I need a God of Jacob. I don't always understand it. I don't under, always understand why things happen. Paul said, I've been praying all these times for this thorn to leave me. Right. You ever wonder how to pray a prayer that's not God's will? Oh, bless the Lord. Paul and Jesus both did it. Uh-huh. They prayed a prayer that was not God's will. But at the end of it, God's grace sustained them. They said, here's my problem. I'll bring it to the God of Jacob. Here's something that I don't understand. I'll bring it to the God of Jacob. Here's something that I can't get away from. I need to bring it to the God of Jacob. Oh, in Jesus' name. The passage that I read to you at the beginning, and I'm coming to a close. The passage that I didn't read to you, I read to you verses 1 through 5. But the rest of the passage says this. After it says, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. It goes on to say, who keeps truth forever. Who executes justice for the oppressed. That sounds like a Jacob. Who gives food to the hungry. That sounds like a Jacob moment. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. That sounds like a struggle. That sounds like someone in need of the God of Jacob. He opens the eyes of the blind and raises those who are bowed down. He watches over the strangers. And He relieves the fatherless and the widows. I'm here to tell you today that all these situations filled with pain and filled with difficulty and things that I don't understand These are the moments that you need the God of Jacob. And Psalms 146 verse 10 says this, The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. What does that tell me? It tells me that the same God who met Jacob by a riverside, is still on his throne. That tells me that the same God who met Jacob in his struggle is here today. That tells me that the same God who was fixing the problematic people 6,000 years ago is still working in your struggle and in your situation today. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter if you caused it. It doesn't matter if it's your fault, if it was your fault, or if it wasn't your fault. The God of Jacob is here to turn your situation around. Let's all stand together. In the name of Jesus. Yes, He is the God of victory. I don't want you to think He's not. Yes, He is the God of success. I don't want you to think He's not. But the next time you slip, I want you to be like David running into the house of the Lord, crying out to the God of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, falling on his face and praying until all of his company thought he was dead. Yes, in those moments, I need the God of Jacob. Every head bowed, every eyes closed right now. You have to imagine the desperation of Jacob at a riverside. You have to imagine the desperateness in his situation. It's said that change will never happen until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And he said, I've been in this pain and I've been in this struggle for too long. I need a blessing, O oh Lord. I need a change to happen in my life. And if you pray that today, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you pray that today and you hear the whisper of one of those names that's been following you, my urge to you today is to give that name to God. I don't care what that name is. I don't care who's been throwing it at you. I don't care how long it's been on your back. Today is the day to bring that name to him. Oh, in the name of Jesus, every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. I want somebody who needs the God of Jacob to come to this altar this morning. Oh, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need the God of Jacob, this altar is for you. I don't care if you cause the problem. I don't care if it's not your fault. The God of Jacob is here for you. Oh, we've been praying about this financial situation and it's just been dogging us for years. The God of Jacob is for you. Oh, I'm still praying for that family member to come back to church. The God of Jacob is for you. I'm still struggling with this temptation. The God of Jacob is here for you. Don't miss an opportunity. Here by the riverside, Oh, to come and meet with the God of Jacob. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As they sing, I want us all to pray. Whether you pray at the front or you pray in your pew, let's all take the time to pray right now in the name of Jesus.